Uh, we finally got a pulpit. This is, this is quite new. We're usually just sporting the old music stand. Um, you know, you, you always were tempted. I am always tempted to kind of lean, and I would just, you know, given my weight, destroy the thing. But um, we finally, after six years, after six years, um, got this little handy-dandy pulpit. Well, uh, welcome to church, uh, everyone. My name is Daryl Temple. I, yes, am the senior pastor of this lovely community. Um, we welcome you guys, especially those who are new, maybe first or second time visitors. You guys hold a special place in our heart. Um, but again, uh, with so many new faces, I always feel it upon me to kind of just introduce myself. Um, with that being said, two Sundays ago, we wrapped up um, a sermon series called Inward Disciplines. Uh, John Cho brought it to a close with a message on servanthood. And um, last Sunday, we just, I just kind of came up with something. I really don't know where it came. I, I like to think that the Lord put it there, but I don't know. Um, seemed as though it came out all right, so I'm trusting God that the same will be this morning for us. Um, as I went to God in prayer this week, I just couldn't leave the book of James, and so we'll be in James again. So you can turn your Bible there, but before we get there, uh, you can put your finger on James and turn over to the Gospel of Matthew Chapter 7, 24 through 27. Now, I'm not going to read it right away, so, but you can just hold your place. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry. We'll judge you later, but you can look up on the screen. and um, the script, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. It's just a joke. Just a joke. Okay. Um, I like to have fun. I also spit and sweat while I'm up here, so don't let any of those things scare you. They happen to me on a regular basis. Um, but you can turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7. Uh, We'll be reading a couple verses. Uh, You know, these little handy-dandy things that we keep on us here, these little, how many still sporting flip phones? Anybody here a a fan of the flip phone? John Cho, I think up until like maybe a year and a half ago, maybe. I I may have my timing wrong on that, but he was like sporting this flip phone. He just, he, he like flat out, would not get a smartphone. I think he finally broke down and, and bought one. But these little things are awesome, aren't they? I mean, but how many know they, are, they can bring some bad news our way? I don't mean, uh, from news feeds to news outlets, um, I don't know about you, but I, I, I tend to get like 15 to 20 uh, tragic messages through my phone, either just scrolling through Twitter or Facebook or Simply just push notifications that come across, like from Fox News. I know that I'm like, am I like disclosing that I'm a conservative? No, I also get it from CNN and political and all, all the different outlets. But uh, I couldn't help but notice this week just how much tragedy uh, comes across my eyes in the course of a day and a week. You know, for some of us here, a tragedy might just be that you had a bad hair day, like things just aren't working, your makeup's wrong. I mean, anybody here like that, you're that shallow? No, I'm just kidding, I'm kidding. Um, But no, for some of us, like having a bad hair day is a tragedy. Uh, Failing that test, I'm sure that's um, applicable uh, for some of us here who are students, you know, wanting to get that good grade, wanting to pass that test, or maybe it's that you forgot your mom's birthday. I'm only putting that out there because I have forgotten my mom several times. That's tragedy. I would really recommend never missing your mom. I think your dad's, you're, you're probably okay, but you miss mom's birthday, and, well, the heat is on. Um, or maybe, maybe tragedy to you goes a little bit deeper. Maybe it's um, something like poverty or global warming. Or maybe it's the fact that 
Donald Trump is our president. <laughs> or maybe, as we all found out some weeks ago, that a tragedy to you might be that Ellen DeGeneres is friends with George W. Bush. <laughs> which I couldn't believe the repercussion from that whole incident. It was kind of funny. I, I personally don't view that as a tragedy. I think it's actually good when the left get along with the right. I think it um, serves a greater purpose for our country. And so that doesn't really bother me. But we're, we're kind of, you know, in many ways, we are so inundated with information, tragic information. And sometimes that, as our, our being a believer, can cloud some things of which the Bible touches upon that are tragedies. How many know that the, that the Bible's just not full of good news? It's full of some serious news and even some bad news. It's why we have the good news. In order for there to be good news, there has to be bad news, right? And so that's not all that bad. But, but, but tragedy happens in the Bible. And I want to talk a bit this morning about a tragedy um, that I believe is pervasive in the West, pervasive in the States here in our Christian context. And that is the tragedy of Christians going to church Sunday after Sunday, hearing God's word, but yet doing nothing with what they hear. Now, now that may not make a lot of dinner tables. You know, it might not be like the conversation piece after service with the family and, and, and the girlfriend or the husband or the wife or whatever. But, but certainly in the eyes of God, I don't think there exists. I, I, I could be being a little bit dramatic here, um, a more grave tragedy than this, if you would now look at Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 24. Jesus says this, he says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. That's good. Sounds great. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew, and they beat on the house, but it did not fall because it was founded on the rock. Then Jesus, moving on in the text, he says, And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain came, the floods came, and blew against the house, and it fell, and it was a great fall. These are the words of Jesus, the Son of God. You know, um, my son has this dilemma um, I think he got it from me. I'm pretty sure he got it from me. Actually, I'm absolutely sure he got it from me. Um, but it's this thing that we, uh, my, my parents always deemed as like selective hearing. How many know what selective hearing is? Raise your hand. A couple of you? Okay. All right, all right. How many have ever had a parent tell you that you have selective hearing? Raise your hand. Okay. All right. It's, it's like, it's like, yeah, yeah. Um, well, my son has selective hearing, right? And God bless his soul. He, he got it from me because I still have it. You know, selective hearing is this. It's like you only focus in and actually respond to things that you care about. You know, like, okay, for example, around our house, it would be like, Abram, do you want to go throw the football? Yeah, let's go, let's go. And he's getting all dressed. He's up. And he's like, let's go, let's go, let's go. Abram, go clean your room. Abram, go clean your room. Abram, go clean your room. What, what, Dad? Go, go clean your room. Abram, go clean. What did you want me to do? Go clean your room. Abram, go clean your room. And so this, this is a process of just like only 
focusing, on, focusing in on and responding to uh, or being obedient to things that you actually care about. I mean, you may have not ever heard the term selective hearing, but now if you um, are, are a little bit more educated, I know I had something to do in educating some of you who are educated, um, but, but, but if you have never heard the term, uh, which is amazing to me, really, I'm, I, but anyways, because I... Anyways, um, but if you if you feel as odd, you're like you're like you're like relating. You're like, oh, I do that. I mean, you just don't have to do it like an apparent kind of uh, child relationship. You can do that with your peers. I do it all the time to Will, poor guy. And I'm sure, I'm sure he does it to me. It's like, you know, we all. So, but 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 we as Christians, I believe, I'll just step out on a limb here. I can throw myself on the cutting board. I believe that we have selective hearing. Remember, like, Christ warns the foolish builder of his or her tragic ending. The success of this person's structure, which ultimately is this person's faith, this foolish person's faith, is not exactly what they hear, but what they do with what they hear. What, what kind of sense would it make if, well, I don't want to go there. I, I, I will, I, I, yeah, let's not go there. Let's not go there. Um, so, so the success of this person's structure, being able to withstand the winds, the rain, I mean, which all just talks about adversity, right? Everything that comes against us, all these tides and storms that are going on. The success of this person's structure solely depends on not just what information they have and they retain, but what they do with the information they have and attain. And, and, and that has been, I believe, the Bible's kind of sole like, job for Christians. It's not to just come Sunday after Sunday, hear a nice little word, and not do anything with it. I mean, certainly you who are students here wouldn't pay thousands of dollars to go to class to get an education, and at the end of it, do nothing with it. And you're like, well, that's not true. Okay, but just let's hypothetically just... <laughs> Put that in there, okay? It worked. It's a good point. Let's just roll with it. But certainly it wouldn't make sense, right? If, if, if I want to be a hairdresser, I'm not going to go to school to be a plumber. But yet we have Christians doing that all the time. I, I want to be saved. I want to follow Jesus, but I don't want to do what Jesus tells me to do. And I'm not talking about Jesus telling you to go prophesy over that man, heal that sickness. I'm just strictly talking about sheer obedience to God's word. So the success of the structure of this person's faith depends on what they do with what they hear. But the hearer tragically does nothing with them. The teachings of Christ are not carried out in any meaningful way. Tragically, the gospel has no effect on the foolish builder's heart and no influence on his conduct. Now, we have always said here at Hilltop Church that following Jesus is not about behavioral modification. But, but let's backtrack up just a little bit before we throw away that statement. I, 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 I for one, don't think that Jesus is just trying to Dial us in as Christians, right? Like just if they were just programmed right, they would just make the right decisions, like just control it. No, that's not what Jesus is about. But Jesus does ask for allegiance to his teaching. And here is 
no exception to the rule in Matthew chapter 7. Jesus is um, talking about the sheer allegiance uh, and obedience to his teachings. And so in a sense, no, faith is not something that we get into so we can have better behavior and better conduct. But there is something within our conduct and in our behavior that change is as a result of following Christ. So so you hear what I'm saying? Like, there is something, you you just can't follow Jesus and be the same person as you were prior to accepting Jesus. It it doesn't work like that. And so we'll get into this a little bit, because there is a controversy that exists between, well, the text we're about ready to get into and Paul the Apostle. Let's turn now to James chapter 1, starting in verse 22. Is everybody okay? Awesome. Awesome, awesome. James chapter 1, starting in verse 22. James says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at himself intently in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his hearing. That's not what it says. He will be blessed in his doing. See, it's not enough just to come to church today and kind of, you know, check off, I am a Christian because I went to Sunday service. Everything that happens after today is what really matters. It's not just about exposing yourself to the teachings of Christ and in community, Christian community. It's about what happens on your Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. That's the true test of what you're actually doing with what you're hearing. So the man is not blessed because he just hears. He's blessed because he hears and he goes out and he does. We have a full-length mirror in our bedroom. Um, And I just want to throw this in there. My son looks at it quite often. Even like, like I'll look into it. Like I'll look at it when I'm like going to a special event, but he just like gets up in the morning and is like, yeah. 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 And he's just like, and I love that about him. I actually chuckle. I'm like, that's so awesome. Um, but I happen to look into this mirror when, um, you know, we're going to an event when we're getting ready for maybe a wedding of which we're going to be celebrating Nayar and Tiago's uh, wedding Tuesday. Oh, they're not here, but can't wait for that. Um, but, you know, I'll go in there, make sure the hair's right, you know. I mean, when you're not working with a lot, you've got to make sure with what you're working with actually looks somewhat good. So, you know, I'll go in there, and I'll, I'll get in front of that mirror from time to time. I'll get the spirit of my son on me. I'm like, yeah. You clean up nice, man. Looking good, looking good, looking good. And then we'll get off to that event, and, you know, with the age of cell phones and social media, um, it always happens that either you'll get tagged in someone's post, 
are that lovely thing called InstaStory. Good thing that thing only lasts 24 hours because, man, if it lasted any more time than that, I would be in trouble. Um, but, you know, you, you, you think you've left your house thinking, man, I look good today. I cleaned up good. I, everything is right. And then you get to the event and people be flashing their cameras, doing their little Insta stories because everybody's having a And you pop up in that story and you're like, my God, I didn't know I looked like that when I left the house. That's not what I remember. It's just, anybody have that? No, none of you guys have that moment because you're just all beautiful people. But for us who are less fortunate, you know, um, it happens. And so the word of God is not meant to just be glanced at. It's, it's not meant just to kind of consume on a Sunday morning. It's meant to be feasted upon. And no, I'm not talking about ripping out a page of Revelation and stuffing it down your mouth. I, just, just a little disclosure. Some of you are like, where does this guy come from? I don't know. Um, but it, no, we're talking about it is as necessary as food. It's just like we have three meals a day. We need to eat and feast upon the Scripture or else if we're just glancing at it, if, if the, it, the totality of Bible reading and Bible knowledge just comes through a Sunday morning or some podcast midweek, then you're, you're shortchanging yourselves. You're shortchanging yourselves. And so we're meant to, as Christians, feed upon the Word almost like we need it like meals morning, noon, and night. The Bible is also not a set of directions from Ikea. <laughs> I, I don't know, if, uh, over time, I think, you know, I've set up one piece of furniture from Ikea, I can do it all. It just seems like there's like this formula that they have. I, I've been wrong, don't, don't let me. Anybody have the kind of dad who, um, he just thinks he can do everything without reading the directions, kind of like when, when he's looking for a location and he's not gonna use the GPS and he's not gonna stop and ask, hey, where is this place? Anybody have dads like that? Got one guy in the back. My dad is totally like that. Growing up as kids, getting toys, you know, uh, you know, when he built a piece of furniture, like a bunk bed for me and brother, brothers, sorry, stuttering there, but he, he, he would always just quickly glance over the directions, and nine times out of ten, I don't know if your dad's like this, he was never able to achieve the proper way of building that toy or building that chest. There was always something off. So, like, when you got into, like, he built these bunk beds for us, they, they, you know, he just had to put them together. And uh, me and my brother, Phil, and, and the top bunk, top bunk of all the, and he kind of just, he like, it's no big deal. It, it leaned on the right side. And, and it, so it had like, I, I slept up there. And so when you would lay, you'd be like this. You're like, Dad, you sure this thing's all right? Like, it, it's not going to fall and kill Phil, right? I mean, we're going to be, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. I read the directions. I read the, no, you just quickly glanced over the directions, Dad. And there's like this massive kind of, lean on, on the thing is like, you know, like, this is dangerous. But we, but, we, but we kind of treat Scripture like that, don't we? I'm sorry for all these stories, but I, it helps me understand the Scripture better. We, we can't just be all right with quickly glancing over Scripture uh, throughout our week. We can't just say, oh, I did my 10-minute devotion. You know, I, I picked out, you know, Psalms you know, the book of Psalms. I mean, all that is good. And, and I think it, it, it really starts to pay off and, and, and starts us in the right direction. But it can't end there. We cannot treat the 
Bible like my father treats directions. The Bible is not a novel. It's not something you can just read, you know, and say, oh, that was a good read. It's not something you can just hear on Sunday morning and say, oh, that was a decent sermon, and just go on your merry way without being impacted. The Bible kind of, I don't know, if you pay attention, I mean, even this scripture has the tendency of kind of shaking you out of a stupor or your comfort or whatever. It just, I mean, even a scripture verse like this, I, I imagine many people are in here are thinking, well, what about Paul's words? That, that, that we are justified by faith alone in Christ Jesus. I mean, now we've got to do something. I mean, but this is the controversy that exists. It existed here in James's day also. See, James is talking to a people who, for the most part, feel as though they don't have to work. They don't have to do anything. If you notice at the end of chapter 1 of the book of James, James says this statement. He says, pure and undefiled religion is this, that you visit the orphans, go to the widows, and keep yourself unstained from the world. All of those are calling believers to action. Meaning there's something that you do, I do as Christians. And James is talking to a group of people who are abusing Paul's words. That says faith is justified by um, a belief in Christ and Christ alone, without apart from works. And although that is true, we are not talking, friends, about the root of salvation. We are talking about the fruit of salvation. Now, that should get a lot of amens. If there's not fruit in our lives as believers, we should be questioning what is the root. You know, if I'm the plant, a tree in the ground, right? I mean, and well, let's go on. Let's go on before we get there. James chapter 1, verse 27. We're wrapping this up. We have someone to celebrate this morning, too, which I'm very excited about. James chapter 2, last scripture for the day. Here it is in verse 14. This is where it really gets dicey and where the controversy, I think, mainly lies between Paul's um, abusers and James's words. He says this, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith? That's not the faith for miracles. That's not the faith for provision. That's just the faith in Christ. What good is it if someone says they have faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? Ooh. Brother or sister, I'm sorry, if a brother or sister, again, here's an action point that James calls out in chapter 2. If a brother and sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed, I'm sorry, be warmed, not be warmed, be warmed and filled without giving them things they need for their body, what good is that? Seems logical. So also, faith by itself if it does not have works, is dead. Now, it's interesting to me, in studying James, I, I found out that a lot of um, scholars and theologians of our time kind of are very dismissive of this book. Very dismissive. Now, I'm thinking, how can... Listen, we're, you know, some of you theologians are saying that the Word of God is inspired by God. So how can we just do away or be dismissive with an entire book? Well, they want to be dismissive of it because they want to um, hold tight to 
that faith is justified, I'm sorry, belief in Christ is, am I saying this right? Justification, let me, let me make sure I get my wording right. Justification by faith alone, meaning it's faith in Christ that matters, no works, right? So they want to dismiss the book of James to be rather, well, one theologian called it, it confuses the whole matter of justification. Can you imagine that? If we're to believe that the whole word of God is inspired by God, how could a book be, could we be dismissive of a book, of an entire book, just because we want to fall within some kind of lie that keeps us, pardon my language here, lazy. See, it makes us comfortable to just show up to service. I don't got to do anything. I don't got to take any action. Oh, no, 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 no. According to James, faith apart from works is dead. Again, let's, let's be very clear about this. We are not talking about the root of salvation. I want to be very clear here. We are talking about the fruit. The fruit of being disciples and followers of Christ does not allow us just to show up on Sunday morning and do nothing with what we're being taught. It doesn't allow us to crack open our Bibles on Monday, read the scripture, and be totally unaffected, uninspired, unprovoked to do anything with it. It's actually crazy. It's insanity. Nobody would do it. But we have Christians, especially in the West, doing this all the time. You know, my number one concern as a pastor, it's, it's not, are we making the budget? It's not, are people coming? It's not, where are we going to meet? It's, it's, it's not this crisis over there, that fire that needs to be put out. Those things, I believe, can be handled by the grace of God. My, my greatest concern as a pastor since we started Hill Church, Top Church is that we would not become what James talks about. That I personally, as a pastor, wouldn't be someone who just hears and gives a nice little amen, but leaves these doors on any, any giving Sunday and does nothing with what I'm hearing, does nothing with what is being taught. That is my number one uno concern, fear as a pastor. Why am I fearful of it? I'm not talking about like, oh my goodness, like, like this, this kind of, I'm talking about I'm just sober. God, keep us from being that kind of church. Friends, I want to challenge us as a community. I, I, I want to challenge some of you who are just breathing air and warming a seat on Sunday morning. I, I want to challenge you to start putting some of these things that you're being taught. Maybe it's on the topic of prayer. Maybe it's on the topic of evangelism. Maybe, listen, the video that we watched just earlier, you know, those, some of you don't even know what that was all about. A group of uh, over 20 of us got together and went into the streets with a couple of other churches in Salem, Massachusetts, and, and preached the gospel and prayed for people, the pagan community there in Salem, Massachusetts. So those are testimonies. Maybe it's in the area of evangelism. Maybe your heart has been stirred and kind of provoked in, in, in recent seasons to be more bold with your faith. Maybe, maybe God has been trying to, through various messages here, get your uh, keister in the, sorry, uh, in the prayer room to pray more. 
Maybe it's going to the shelter. I don't know what it is. My, my, my single kind of cry and groan in my heart is just that you would do something. And if you're already doing something with what you're hearing, what you're reading, and what you're gaining in Scripture, then well done. Shake it off. Let this be of no uh, concern to you. But if you're not and you know you're idle, you know you're just getting on, getting by, consuming, consuming, doing nothing with what you're hearing, nothing with what you're being taught, friend, I want to provoke you unto righteousness and good works that exalt Jesus. A couple of you can clap. That's good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Will. That's my fan there. You know, the highest compliment I think I could ever receive as a pastor is not, man, that was a great sermon. I, 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 I don't really, that doesn't faze me. You know, flattering words or whatever. You know, just like, man, it's a great church. Like, the number one compliment I believe you can ever pay a pastor is when you, as a pastor, actually see people taking serious the things that they're hearing, doing um, great and glorious things in the name of Jesus with them. That is the highest compliment that I, and I think Bethany, could ever receive uh, from you. So if you want to give me a gift, you know, if you want to do something nice for me, man, I, I just lay hold and be obedient do something, do something for Christ that brings glory to his name. Let's pray. Father, we've heard sermons like this before. Lord, and there are many times, me included, where I've left and Lord, it did little in my life. Father, I'm asking today, Lord, that you would now come upon hearts here and convince them, Lord, of this tragedy. Lord, if there's any error in their life, Lord, where they are just hearing and not responding and not doing, Father, I ask, Lord, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would call them to action And Lord, by any chance, Lord, if you would use this word, so be it, God. Use it to inspire and provoke people in this room to righteousness and good works. In Jesus' name, Lord, let the fruit of our lives exalt Jesus. Let our doing, let our taking what we're hearing and doing with what we're hearing, God, bless your son's name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we have something exciting to do. Um, I'm, this is going to seem kind of like a, a misplaced thing, but we want to celebrate somebody before we... Um, yeah, he's here. Um, before uh, we move on, Mario, will you come up uh, and stand with me? Many of you guys don't know who Mario is. Yeah, you can put your hands together. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> So, so not, not this Mario, <laughs> but this Mario's cool. Um, but Mario has, I think, single-handedly opened this place to us. I mean, he's a big reason why we're here. And um, he's not only opened this place to us, but he's opened his heart to us. Um, there is really uh, a strong relationship, I think, uh, happening here, um, a bond. And so 
It's his birthday. Yeah. 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 And so, before we end today's service, we wanted to just take a little time and show our appreciation. And I think, um, well, I think somebody's got a song for you tomorrow, so just stand right there. Come on. Come on. Yes. So, Mario, how old are you now? 40? 61. Yes. Mario, this is a gift from our church. Oh, thank you. We wanted to bless you with it. Thank um, you very much. Will you let us pray for you? Can we, can we pray for you? Oh, please. Oh, awesome, awesome. And I, I pray you for you too. Okay. <laughs> well, why don't you bow your heads and just pray with me as we lift Mario. Lord, we just so thank you for this man. Um, and Lord, we thank you uh, for our friendship, Lord. We thank you that this is just more of us, more than us occupying a space. Um, Lord, there is uh, relational ties here that you're building. And, Lord, we um, are so privileged that we get to honor uh, our dear friend Mario uh, today and his birthday. Uh, Jesus, I ask, Lord, that this gift would bless him. And, and, Lord, that 60 would be so sweet and precious. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Uh, first of all, thank you for all this surprise. I'm very proud to have you guys here. I had already one experience with another church, and now for the last, we go for the second years. Please stay here because I love you guys, okay? Well, I don't think we're going anywhere, anywhere soon, as long as you don't kick us out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, put your hands together one more time. Thank you, Mario. So I don't know if we have enough cake to feed this group, but we are, uh, have some cake after service. Um, guys, we love you. Oh, we have one more thing. Sorry. So you might have noticed.